Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO of Cordell and Cordell. We continue to bring you uh, information, tips, uh, education for guys before, during, and after divorce and bring you an attorney from Cordell and Cordell around the country. And today is no different, but keep in mind, as always, not legal advice. We don't want to establish attorney-client relationship because we can't without that consultation. We'd love for you to come into one of our offices around the country, including the United Kingdom. You can give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW or check us out on the web, cordellcordell.com. You can get some information on how to schedule a consultation. Uh, we want to get those details, those facts that are peculiar and particular to your case uh, that certainly would dictate perhaps a different uh, direction and discussion. So 866-DADS-LAW. So let's get started today. We're going to talk about defined contribution plans, retirement accounts, those types of things that can get very overwhelming and technical. And today we're joined by Brandon. Welcome again back to the podcast. Hi, thank you, Scott. I appreciate you having me back on here. I always enjoy this. And this is in your wheelhouse. I know we talked a little bit, we've done this before, and this is kind of your area of uh, where you can just go on and on and we can talk for hours on it. And so I thought it would be good to uh, have another discussion. Let's talk about the words that, you know, the defined contribution plan. We guys will often say, oh, it's my retirement or it's my pension or it's my 401k. But then you have lawyers who know this area well and they say defined contribution plan. And so when guys are listening to this now and they're thinking, well, I've heard that before. Does that affect me? What do I do? How is it divided? How does the divorce handle it? You know, what can you do? Let's talk about defining a defined contribution plan first. So go ahead and do that. All right. Well, that sounds good. And yeah, of course, the last time you and I talked about this, we really did. We looked at a, a bird's eye picture of everything, uh, looked at uh, retirement plans in general. And so now we'll, we'll, really, we'll narrow in on, on defined contribution plans uh, and, and figure out uh, how are those going to play into the objectives that, uh, that parties have, uh, what options and obstacles do they face. And that really starts with understanding what is a defined contribution plan and how is that going to be different from a defined benefit plan. And, and we'll be back next week, I believe, talking about defined benefit plans. So anyone listening who feels like we're, we're leaving something out, don't worry, we're going to get to the other side of this coin uh, soon enough for you. Yeah. Uh, when we're talking about defined contribution plan, some of the, the distinguishing characteristics are going to be that uh, it's a, it is, of course, a retirement plan. And like all retirement plans, it is going to be based on market investments. Uh, but this one is going to be an individual account, meaning it's owned by the individual participant. Uh, it, like all retirement plans that we're going to be dealing with uh, differently than, say, an investment plan, it's going to have a tax-preferred status attached to it. And that's going to change depending on what kind of defined contribution plan you've got. We'll get into that uh, a little bit here later as well. Uh, but the, the key distinguishing feature of this from, say, a defined benefit plan is going to be that uh, the participant, you, you're the one who, uh, who pays into the plan at a set rate. Now, if it's an employer-based plan, your employer may also pay part into it, but ultimately, the contribution amount is in the participant's control. You'll decide, how much do I want to put into this, subject to certain limitations based on the way the plan is designed, and also, of course, uh, limits set by the government as to how much you can get uh, or put into these plans and still get that tax benefit from it. Let me ask you real quickly. I know that we talk about it and we're that you've used these words, and I think it's important as you keep going and talking about it, defined benefit and defined contribution. 
right? And those are the distinctions. And we're talking about the defined contribution, which you just alleged, which is really where the participant guys listening put money into their account, right? Yeah, that's that's really the long and short of it. You're putting money in, and and ultimately the the best thing to keep in mind about this is that uh, it's it's an account. You can look at it. You can see this is the dollar amount of my account. So if you really want to simplify things and take all of what I've just said and you boil it down into something that that you can you can see on a piece of paper very clearly, uh, you'll get a statement if you have one of these types of accounts that says this is what's in it. And, and having that tells you, okay, uh, I have an account with a, uh, with a certain benefit in it um, in the future, uh, and, and I know exactly how much that is today. And if you can tell me how much that is today, you've probably got a defined contribution plan. So let's talk about, I, I guess, if we really want to make this more clear, uh, what, what types of plans yeah. would be a defined contribution plan, because I think that'll also really help. Uh, because some of these things you'll have heard before, but some of them maybe not. Uh, everyone has heard of a 401k, uh, but a 401k is in itself a plan. Types of, of defined contribution plans that, that you might have are profit sharing plans, thrift savings plans, money purchase plans, stock bonus plans, ESOPs, traditional IRAs, simple plans. It goes on from there. And you may not know which of those you have. But if you have something that says 401k on it, you've got one or some combination of at least a couple of those. Uh, and if you've got a different type of plan, maybe it's going to say on, on your statement what it is. So that's the first place to look. Is any paperwork you've got, does it say 401k on it? Does it say any of the, in, any of the types of plans I've just mentioned? Those are going to be some giveaways as well that mm -hmm. that's what you have. Yeah, it's interesting when you think of guys, and I meet with them, and they say, you know, I got my pension over here, and it happens to be a 401k. I think that what we do is there, this word gets used, and it gets thrown about and means something different to everyone. And I think typically, if you're a guy listening, and maybe you're, you're a policeman, you're a fireman, uh, a union worker, uh, a government, you're, they're likely that you have a defined benefit where there's a pension where it's not money you don't put in directly. And you may have a combination. I've met a lot of, uh, some government workers, some police officers who have a two-tiered system. One's a pension and one they can put money in on their own. And I think that you can use that word if you're listening, you know, call it a pension, call it a retirement, whatever it is. But you have to know, as you suggested, the, the difference is, are you pulling money out of your weekly paycheck? If money's not coming out, you have a benefit plan. If it's coming out and you can tell you, you know, a, a dollar amount in a pool, then it's a contribution as opposed to many guys say, I was meeting with a police officer and uh, he said, well, yeah, I've got a pension and it's going to pay me, you know, $2,400 a month. Now, I mean, that's the thing. You have to be wary when we say, if you know the amount, there is a, not a monthly amount, a gross amount, right? In this pot of money, that could be the defined contribution plan, right? Right. And, and something else to keep in mind with all of that is, uh, especially you mentioned uh, union workers. Union workers have, of course, contracts that are set up uh, between the employees, their union and the employer. And sometimes those will say things that might be a little confusing, like uh, there's a reduction uh, of the employee's pay that goes in towards their retirement account. But that may still be a uh, a defined benefit plan as opposed to a defined contribution plan because going back to some of those factors I mentioned, you have to be able to control how much you're contributing. If it's controlled by a contract that's been set between your union and an employer, it's probably not a defined contribution plan. So if you have something like that and you're, and you're not sure, again, go back to that statement and if it says 
you have $56,000 in your retirement account and you know, that's potentially withdrawal, uh, withdrawable uh, mm-hmm. with tax penalties, of course, uh, then you've probably got uh, the defined contribution plan that we're talking about. You also yeah. mentioned, and this is very important, uh, that, that sometimes uh, employment that used to have traditional pensions like police officers, or I'm, I'm actually going to uh, refer specifically to the military now, or, uh, or federal government employees where uh, we had the uh, civil service retirement system, we have the federal employees retirement system, those are pension style plans, but both of those now offer and have for at least the last 20 years, the thrift savings plan option, which is a defined contribution component, and it's treated separately. So you may have not just one, but both of these. So it's really good right. that you mentioned that. Yeah, you get the uh, judges. I met with a judge who was getting divorced. Same thing on the federal bench, had a, a kind of a combination. I think we, if anyone's listening to the news, they hear the state of Illinois has a problem with their pension and funding their pension, meaning that they have these retirees who are guaranteed, let's just say $500 a month, but it's an un, underfunded pension, which means they're guaranteed the 500 but the state doesn't have the money to cover it. So it, that money isn't fluctuating. They have to do something about it. And that would probably likely be the defined uh, benefit program, right, that they're talking about? So, yeah, those are definitely defined benefit plans that are having those issues. And, of course, we've seen that in the private sector as well. Look at airlines uh, uh, about uh, 15 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a lot of them going through problems where they couldn't afford their pensions that they had set up. So if, if you have got the government coming in and guaranteeing, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit next week, uh, because that does create a whole new set of problems that, that can arise when dealing with dividing those defined benefit plans. But uh, the government does actually step in sometimes, and they, uh, the federal government will say, we're going to guarantee some part of it, not all of it, <laughs> which is yeah. uh, disappointing when you've already retired, I suppose. But uh, that, that's something that does happen there. And you're not going to see that with a defined contribution plan, because again, the risk in this really falls on the participant. Uh, it's not on any other individual. So when, when you go in and you decide, how much am I going to contribute to my to my defined contribution plan? What's that going to look like? How much is it going to yeah. be? Uh, and how is that going to look based on when I want to retire? Uh, you're the one who's supposed to go in and kind of do that math and figure out, is this going to be sufficient long term? And if the market is uh, is strong during the time that you're working and, and you have a lot of growth, you'll gain that benefit. But if the market does not do well, and, and you don't get that growth, or perhaps even you lose some money, as some people saw happen uh, early on in 2020, uh, which caused some panicked people to pull their money out of their 401ks. Uh, that was a real problem uh, in a lot of divorce cases with people doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, that, that risk ultimately falls on you. And if that loses money instead of gaining money, that, that's just on you. Yeah. And so uh, you also have the ability with most of the financial companies that you're going to work with to determine how much money uh, am I going to put in and how do I want them to invest it? They may even make it very simple for you. A lot of these places will say, well, do you want to have a safe investment strategy, a moderate or an aggressive investment strategy? Uh, And so you'll get those kind of options. And those are also all really good indicators that you're dealing with a defined contribution plan. Yeah. And 9-11, you know, right after that, that's a great example of participants watching their account values go down by 80%. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, that's just always an example. When you're putting money in it and you're watching that account go down, although in 2020, we saw, you know, the last year, historic returns on, you know, defined 
um, contribution plans, 401ks at their highest return levels in history. It's really interesting. Even in the toughest of times, there are usually opportunities for relief. Many husbands and dads listening now are struggling to stay current on alimony and child support orders. You should know that this crisis may allow you to modify your support obligations, but time is of the essence. If you're a guy needing help right now, not someday when things are back to normal, call us at Cordell & Cordell. This is what we do. But, you know, it begs the question, you know, now you know, we talk about the differences, but we have to know the type in order to divide it in divorce, right? And then what do we do? Well, right. And, and I think that uh, that really is the crux of what we want to get into here, because, you know, it's uh, it, that's what we do. And that's what we want to make sure when uh, when parties get involved in these cases, they're educated on it. So they don't they don't make mistakes. And some of these mistakes can be easy to simply walk into. Uh, and avoiding that is, is really the key to uh, to a successful division of assets and a dissolution of marriage. And so, you know, the first thing you want to do is know, do you have an employer based plan, a government plan? or an, a, a private plan. So these are going to be, um, you know, your 401ks are always going to be employer-based plans. That's, that's the nature of them because they are, they are profit-sharing plans, uh, you know, at, at their heart typically. Um, so you're not gonna see those as a, as a private type of plan. An IRA, uh, that simply stands for Individual Retirement Account. And that is going to be almost always a private plan, however, I will tell you that you will see private uh, private plans that are marketed using other names because they think people will will understand them. So you might see 401k attached to a private plan. Uh, if you read the fine print, I promise you it's not going to actually be a 401k plan. You'll also see some some employer based plans that might say IRA. It's not really an IRA when you when you look at it, right. uh, and, and it'll be handled differently. And then of course the government plans. Government plans uh, always create their own unique set of, of problems. Fortunately, federal government plans, we've got a lot of guidance on how to deal with those. When we've got state-based plans, we always have to look at the actual documentations produced by the states that tell us, uh, what is this plan? What can you do with it? Can it even be divided? Mm. Um, those are not as common as, uh, as your defined benefit plans. Uh, state government uh, retirement plans tend to be pension-based but you do see some that are not, that are going to be defined contribution plans like this. I'm gonna ask you quickly, because inevitably we're thinking about these 401ks and in divorce. Inevitably, we often, you and I will see clients that come in and they've made either an early withdrawal or they've, they've taken a loan. You know, and rightfully, they may have used a loan to, to purchase a home. There were some provisions that allowed that, that it, it actually encouraged people and gave them tax advantages to do it. How do you deal with that in, in divorce? You know, is it something you deal with and, do, and how do we do it? Well, the answer to that question is carefully. <laughs> you, right, have to, right. you have to know, uh, you know when the loans were taken, uh, how much was taken out, how's it being paid back? And if it was a withdrawal, uh, when was it done? Because uh, all of this stuff can be done in one year, but you're gonna see the tax consequences when you file your taxes in the following year. And so that's the first thing you've got to ask is when did it happen? Yeah. Uh, and when we're talking about the withdrawals, especially, that's going to have a tax consequence, and it's not going to be a small one. Um, now, we haven't talked about the differences between, say, a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k or traditional. So, you know, in terms of traditionals, we're just talking about 
pre-tax dollars going in, you'll pay income tax on that if you withdraw it early. You'll also, if you're not of sufficient age under Rule 72T of the Internal Revenue Code, pay an additional 10%, which the IRS lovingly calls uh, mm -hmm. an, an additional tax and not a penalty, but it is very much that. So they're trying to stop you from doing it. If you pull that money out while the divorce is pending and you finalize it before the end of the year and you go in and you file separate taxes and it was your account and you pulled the money out, you're going to be the one stuck with that entire tax bill. So if you did that, going into negotiating a settlement or telling a judge what happened, you need to be clear uh, how that happened, when it happened. And you know if you don't know what the tax consequences are of that yet, which you won't until you've done your actual tax return, uh, you want to be clear that there's, there's still this unknown out there. And you either want to push things out until you know what that is, or you want to come up with a way to try to account for it effectively. You know, I think what's what's so easy for guys going through divorce, and they may go to attorneys throughout the country, and, and I've always said it, find an attorney that practices exclusively in family law. Why? Because of things like this. It, you can overlook something so important as the tax ramifications of either separating and assigning and distributing property that you're getting a taxable asset and she's getting a tax-free asset, or you're not considering the taxable consequences of an early withdrawal or a loan or whatever it may be. And that's why at Cordell and Cordell, we have a tax and benefits department who, and a group of attorneys who have masters in tax or their LLM who can analyze it, have experience in it and say, okay, let's talk about what we're going to do with this. You are going to have to file joint taxes for this year. Let's postpone it. Let's kind of move forward. Or we split the tax deficiency, whatever it may be as a result of this early withdrawal, you know, some allocation of it. It sounds easy to say, you know, I just want to do a 50, 50 split. I'll keep my pension. albeit it's got some tax ramifications that the attorney doesn't tell you about. And then you come to file your taxes and your accountant says, Oh, you owe X, you owe another five grand. Your head comes off the top because why wasn't this talked about? So it, it does sound easy, but when it comes to pensions, defined contribution, defined benefit, anything that involves those, I think it's so critical to have a, an attorney, as you're discussing and clearly know this in and out, of how to handle it and what to do with it because when we divide it, there's things called a qualified domestic relations order, right? A QDRO. Well, that's right. And, and one of the things that, that I think is very important to remember that uh, when we're talking about dividing these assets, you know, a quadro is one way that we divide it, uh, but we only use that for certain types of plans. So if we're dividing an employer-based plan, we'll use a, a quadro, a qualified domestic relations order. Uh, if we're dividing, say, an individual retirement account, a private-based account, uh, we don't use one of those. Although, again, remember I said earlier, sometimes you'll see some language that's applied to these that doesn't belong. You will occasionally see an IRA where your financial uh, firm is asking you to have a quadro for it. It's not really required, and it's not really a quadro uh, because it's not actually being qualified by the federal government, but it's easier just to do it for them anyway. But in general, you won't see that. And so what you have to know is uh, when you're dividing an employment, uh, an employer-based account, uh, you use that qualified domestic relations order because it, it shifts from the participant in the account to the recipient of that money, all of the tax burdens associated with it. Now, if you don't, if you don't have that, then you're going to be the one who gets stuck with the tax if it's your account, uh, or if it's the other party's account, maybe you, you've just gotten yourself a big windfall because they'll pay the tax. The same is, is applied to private accounts, but rather than using a qualified domestic relations order, there is no 
there is no workaround that's built into this using a simple order like that. When I say a simple order, it could be a little complicated, mm-hmm. but uh, what you have to do is you have to figure out how else can I transfer that money within the bounds of the tax code to avoid having the tax liability fall on me as the participant. And that means rollovers. Uh, when you're rolling over that money from your IRA to another IRA, you can do that provided it happens within a 60-day window and it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. Now, that all gets ha- drafted out into a settlement agreement or it has to be addressed with the court in advance. It's not the sort of thing you can fix afterwards. If you agree to an order that says, I'm going to give my wife $200,000 from my IRA and you don't specify how it's going to happen, I'm pretty sure you're going to be paying the taxes unless you've got a really nice judge. Right. Yeah, and I think that is the key. I, I get so many guys that come to me and say, well, I don't want to divide it because I'm going to pay the taxes. And they don't understand and that maybe it's not explained to them and it should be. Hey, when we use the word qualified you know, QDRO or DRO or you know, incident to a decree of divorce, we can do this tax-free, meaning that you can assign and allocate so long as it's rolled over into an appropriate vehicle that complies with the federal government's rules. And it doesn't have to incur taxable consequences. None of it does. And that's the beauty of dividing property at divorce is that we can do it tax-free. Now you get you know, tax basis issues and things about what you're inheriting. And that's why it, it's important to find an attorney that may be like us that has a tax and benefits program or department that can you know, advise you on the tax ramifications. And so as we kind of get near the end of our, our segment here, one of the important things is what should guys do you know, when they're coming in for a consult early on? And we talk about the importance of these vehicles, these instruments. What should they be doing early on to help you uh, analyze what, what kind of plan do they have? What should we do and what uh, is must be done? Well, that's a, that's a very important uh, point you bring up is, is how, do you, how do you prep for this? Um, as attorneys, the first thing that we're going to want to see is uh, an account statement, something that tells us what the value is, uh, whether it's at the time of filing, at the time that, the, that uh, as you're getting near the end of the divorce, you may have to update that depending on your state. Uh, if you actually have uh, an account that you were putting money into prior to your marriage, a lot of states will allow you to separate that and keep that as your separate property. So if you've been contributing to this before the date of your marriage, get a copy of that statement. That can be a little difficult to dig up, so start early. Uh, reach mm-hmm. out, contact your plan administrators, especially if you've, if you've had rollover plans from, from one uh, employer to another, uh, going back and finding who's got those documents from you know, 10, 20 years ago. That can be a bit of a challenge. So get started right away if you want to protect that asset. Uh, there's a lot of documentation that's going to be available as well from the plan administrators. Sometimes they have it, sometimes they don't. And, and I will tell you from personal experience, a lot of times they don't know who actually has it. And you have to spend a, few, uh, a little bit of time making phone calls until you find where that's actually at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can find a copy of the plan summary, uh, that's a document that lays out in you know kind of layman's terms, this is what the plan is, this is what it does, these are the rules that we operate under. You can get a copy of that, and that can really help your attorney understand what have we got, uh, how can we divide this, uh, and you know if it's certain types of plans, can we actually divide it? Uh, you know, what are the what are the tax consequences? Without that plan summary, uh, you may have something that looks like a retirement uh, plan, sounds like one, acts like one, describes itself as one, 
But if you were, for example, a highly compensated employee of, of a company, you're, you're you know, high up on, on the ladder there, you may have what you call a retirement plan, but it may have no tax benefit attached to it whatsoever. Right. That's good to know. Uh, if yeah. all that money is going in there and it's really just an investment plan that's being managed by your employer, get that plan summary. Let's figure that out. There's so many pitfalls. I mean, it, it gets... It sounds complicated because it can be and oftentimes is complicated, you know, when you're dividing it, when you are putting it in a settlement agreement. I mean, things that always come to mind as I talk to younger, newer lawyers, and that is, hey, you know, avoid the flat dollar amount in dividing because you want plus gains and minuses. I mean, I've seen, you know, guys have come to me and said, well, I'm supposed to divide this and it says give her 50,000. And the account, you know, had a hundred, and all of a sudden we hit a, a bad part of the market, and now the account's only worth fifty, and you lost it all. And I mean, it's just a great example. It, it really is. And you know, talking about gains and losses is one of those things that that really we could spend probably an entire day on talking about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, being aware of that, knowing how the market is doing, uh, and so you want to take a look at you know, as, as you're going through the case, what has happened to the market mm -hmm. while your matter has been pending? Because if the market's gone up or down in that period of time, uh, addressing how you're going to divide it can make a huge difference on what you get. I have, I have seen it to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars uh, make a huge difference in these cases, whether or not someone's getting uh, market gains or losses. So yeah, I, I think absolutely we need to know that. Well, Brandon, that's all the time we have for our podcast today. I mean, as we said the last time, and I know we'll do it next week when we talk more about it, we can go on and on about it. This becomes such a, an interesting topic for guys because typically they have something. They have either a benefit or a contribution plan, and they need good counsel on how to divide it. And so thanks for joining today. No, thanks for having me. It's always fun to be here. Well, I know there's more that you uh, want to know. So schedule a consultation, 866-DADS-LAW. We can get you some information and really specifically bring your plan in, bring some information. We'll talk to you a little bit about what's the right thing to do, uh, what, what course you should take. You can go to uh, the website. You can go to Dad's Divorce. Uh, there are plenty of, there's plenty of material on this issue as well and our YouTube channel. You can check out our social and uh, you'll find also more videos as we talk about retirement and what to do. But really, the most important thing is scheduling a consultation. CordellCordell.com, 866-DADS-LAW. Take the time to do it. Best investment you'll make. So we'll see you twice each week as we do this uh, YouTube or our podcast each week. Uh, and also register for the virtual town hall coming up here in March. You can only do that at CordellCordell.com, where you can log in, ask questions live with the panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys. We're going to talk about a topic just like this, and you'll get answers right then and right there. So until next time. Have a great week.